This is the Prosper Stronger Podcast, a community where LDS women gather to cultivate covenant connections and strive to be devoted disciples of Jesus Christ. What do you think of when you hear the word prosper? Maybe you think of a big house or a fancy car, plenty of things, big boats, fancy trips, extra cash. Maybe it means that you have all your needs met, that there isn't anything that you need that you don't have. Or perhaps you think of a dark-haired man with a certain hand sign saying, live long and prosper. Who knows? We all think about it differently. But there's one person who has a clear idea of what it means to prosper, and he is teaching us throughout history. He is teaching us in the scriptures. He's teaching us by the prophets, the words of the prophets and the apostles. And I believe that Heavenly Father has a specific idea of what it means to truly prosper. Today, we are going to continue our conversation of what it means to prosper. And we're going to focus especially on this word prosper. We've talked about keeping the commandments. We've talked about the land or the journey or the promised land. And now we're going to dive into the word prosper. So before we get too deep, I want to go to the 1828 Webster's Dictionary. You know, this is one of my favorite things. And I find it gives me so much insight. My mind really expands as I seek to understand when I study the words and the understanding and definition of the words using this particular resource. So in the 1828 dictionary, there's quite a few definitions. The first one is to be successful or to succeed. Now, you and I both know that everybody has a different definition of what it means to be successful or what it means to succeed. So that one is kind of helpful, but we need to go a little deeper. The second one definition is to grow or increase, to thrive or to make gain. I love this one because this gives me a better idea of what prospering really means. Sometimes the idea of being successful just means we think we have a lot of stuff. We have all the things. We have all the status and all the money or whatever it is, however we define success. But here, it's a different image. To me, it's this idea of the growth, the progression, the thriving. So I did what any dictionary loving person would do, and I went to the definition of thrive. The definition of thrive in the 1828 dictionary is to increase, to hasten. Isn't that interesting? Because We've been told that the Lord is hastening his work and that we need to join and hasten in the work. So to hasten, another is to prosper by industry, economy, and good management of property, to increase by goods and estates. So that's a little bit of a worldly definition by physical means, and that's okay. That's one of the parts of the definition of prosperity. But I really like the idea of the good management, that to thrive means to manage well the resources that we have, the gifts and talents that we have to be good stewards. So I love that idea. Another definition is to grow. So we already talked about that. To prosper is to grow. So to thrive is to grow. And another is to flourish. Now that's different to me. When we think about growth, I might be growing, but how am I growing? Kind of okay. I have a garden this year and it is flourishing. It's not just growing. Now, I've had gardens in the past and they have grown. Okay, most of them have grown, but I actually, the last three years, the garden did not grow. There was something wrong with the soil and it did not grow. As a matter of fact, the plants would kind of start to grow and they'd get maybe eight inches tall, 10 inches tall, and then it was like they would burn or dry up. And this garden was really, really struggling and I was about to give up. But in the last year, I got some help and put in a brand new garden and did exactly what my mentors said to do step by step. And now I have a garden that is flourishing. And I will tell you right now, about 15 years ago, I had a great garden. It was growing, but it is nothing compared to the garden I have now, which is truly flourishing. And everybody that comes and sees it, we're all just amazed because the plants are double the size that you would think they should be. The leaves are double the size. The fruit, it's not really fruit. We've got vegetables. We have zucchini, lots and lots and lots of zucchini. And I know that's normal, but 
when I tell you I have a lot of zucchini, it's like, again, double what I typically get. So to flourish is a totally different idea than to grow. And I want to flourish. I don't just want to grow. Sometimes growing feels a little painful. To flourish means that I am growing and becoming beyond my wildest dreams, beyond any expectation I ever had. So I love this idea of flourishing. There's a lot of joy, I think, in the word and in the concept, the idea of flourishing. And then we're going on to another definition for thrive, which again is a term for prosper. And this one says to grow, to advance, to increase in anything valuable. Now you might feel that that is a broad definition, but I love it because I feel like each of us, every single one of us is valuable to Heavenly Father. You and I and all who have ever lived and whoever will live on the earth are his children. And if you're a parent, your grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, a sibling, if you have anybody in your life that you love, you know that they are valuable to you. And as a parent, I know that my children are my most valuable. I don't want to say possessions because they're not my possessions. They're Heavenly Father's children. But I know the love I feel for my children. And it doesn't matter what they do. I will always love my children. And that, I believe, is how Heavenly Father feels about each and every one of His children. They are valuable to Him. And so to grow and advance in anything valuable, well, you're valuable and I'm valuable. And He wants us to grow and to flourish and to thrive. Heavenly Father wants us to prosper. So if that's what it means to grow, to advance, to progress, to flourish, then to prosper doesn't just mean having things. It indicates an improvement. It indicates that we are becoming something better than we were before. And that is what I love about this idea of prospering. And I want to take it a step further now because I love words. Maybe you can tell I love words. Obviously, I love the 1828 dictionary and I do get hung up. I love to go deep on specific words. And so does a friend of mine. His name is Dr. Taylor Halverson. And I first met him at Aspen Grove Family Camp, oh, probably 10 years ago. And I was fascinated by how he could take a word and go to its root meaning and expand the understanding of the scriptures and of gospel principles just simply by better understanding a word. And I looked at him as an example when it came to the word prosper, and he's actually written an entire article about what it means to prosper. So if we go to what Taylor Halverson has to say, he tells us that the Latin root meaning of the word prosper actually means to look forward with hope. Isn't that beautiful? So not only are we becoming and we're growing, we're increasing in value, we're thriving, we're flourishing, but it includes this concept of hope and looking forward with hope. But then Taylor asked the question, to what are we looking forward? And his answer is, we are looking forward to Jesus Christ. That is where we look for hope. He is the source of truth and light and hope. And I 100% agree with Dr. Halverson. As a matter of fact, here is his exact quote. He says, When we look at the Latin root meaning of the word prosper, we find the fundamental meaning of to look forward with hope. In fact, our word speed, such as used in Godspeed, uses the same root for prosper and is focused on the hope that only God can bring. So, Prosperity in its purest sense is about hope. And what do we hope for? Emmanuel or God with us. We want God's presence. We hope for him to be with us. Thus, prosperity is not about material blessings, resources, toys, and belongings or objects. Prosperity is about the hope found in godly relationships as expressed by having God's presence with us. So he goes on to say, to prosper is to have God's presence. And then he goes back to the scripture in the Book of Mormon, throughout the Book of Mormon, that we've already been discussing, if you keep my commandments, ye shall prosper in the land. But inasmuch as you will not keep my commandments, ye shall be cut off from my presence. The commandments are the instructions for how to show covenantal love to God. 
And as we are faithful, we receive the promise of his presence. And that is the thing that I feel is truth. It is this idea that we want to be in God's presence. This is what I believe it means to truly prosper. And it comes not only from what Dr. Halverson shares, but I've also heard it from other gospel scholars, such as Dr. Lynn Wilson. But I've also been taught and instructed by the Holy Ghost myself to know and feel that this is true. We can look at it and we can discover it in the scriptures. As we read that scripture from 2 Nephi 1.20 that I just read, that if we don't prosper, we will be cut off from his presence. So if to be cut off from his presence is not prospering, it's the result or the consequence of not prospering, of not keeping his commandments, then we can therefore infer that to prosper means to be in his presence, to have his presence with us. And I love this idea. We feel it. We hear it. We sense it every week as we partake of the sacrament. We are in a covenantal relationship with our Heavenly Father, and we promise Him certain things. And what does He promise us back? That we will have His presence to be with us. We will have His Spirit to be with us. If all the glorious things that He can offer to us on this life and here on earth and throughout eternity, what is He offering as the blessing of the covenant? To have His Spirit with us. And we know throughout scripture, that people have sought to have the Holy Ghost. When Jesus Christ was with them, they prayed for that which they desired most, and that was to receive and have the gift of the Holy Ghost. There were even people, such as Simon in Acts, in the Bible, who wanted to pay money to receive this gift, the power of the priesthood and the gift of the Holy Ghost, to be able to confer the gift of the Holy Ghost onto other people. Obviously, of course, we know that's not how it's done, but this gift is the greatest gift God can give to us here on earth because it is his way that he extends his presence to us while we are separated from him, while we have that veil, while we cannot dwell in his presence because we are in a fallen state. We are living here in a fallen world. So the gift of the Holy Ghost is how he connects to us. It is how he shares his presence with us until we can dwell with him for eternity in his presence. Now, the world would tell us and does tell us that we don't need God. We don't need him. We don't need the Holy Ghost. We don't need the Spirit. We just need to figure things out for ourselves and do whatever we want, whatever makes us happy. Just do whatever the world tells us to do. And this is detrimental. Not only detrimental, it's fatal. We are told in the Book of Mormon that we are free to choose. If we go to 2 Nephi chapter 2, verse 27, it says, Wherefore men and women are free according to the flesh, and all things are given them which are expedient unto man, and they are free to choose liberty and eternal life through the great mediator of all men, or to choose captivity and death according to the captivity and power of the devil. For he seeketh that all men might be miserable like unto himself. And now, my sons, this is going on verse 28. And now, my sons, I would that ye should look to the great mediator and hearken unto his great commandments and be faithful unto his words and choose eternal life according to the will of his Holy Spirit and not choose eternal death according to the will of the flesh and the evil which is therein which giveth the spirit of the devil power to captivate and to bring you down to hell, that he may reign over you in his own kingdom. This is from Lehi, and he is teaching his sons these truths about physical death and spiritual death. And he is expressing to them how serious it is and trying to help them understand how important it is that they use their agency to choose eternal life, to choose to be in the presence of God, to choose to have his spirit with us. We have this gift. We have the gift of agency. Heavenly Father, it lets us choose, but he is pleading with us to please choose him, to please choose to survive spiritually. President Nelson told us in April 2018 and gave us this warning, which I know you've heard, but I'm going to say it again because it is so powerful and it is from our prophet, one of the very first warnings he gave us as a prophet. He said, In coming days, it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence 
of the Holy Ghost. We've heard this. We know this. It will not be possible for us to survive spiritually. And if we don't survive spiritually, we are cast into the power of Satan. We are under his power for eternity. And we just read, it's misery, internal misery. Whereas on the other hand, we have the choice to choose eternal bliss. Like Alma tells us in chapter 37. In Alma 37, Alma is teaching his sons also. So we have Lehi teaching his children, Alma teaching his children, and he is teaching them about the Liahona. He's urging and pleading with them to keep the commandments. And he goes on, he said, if they didn't follow the commandments, then the spindles of the Liahona would not work. They didn't point the way. But if did heed what was on the Liahona, if they did keep the commandments, it would point them the direction they needed to go to be safe on their journey to the promised land. And if we think of the promised land as a celestial kingdom with our heavenly father, then that helps us understand better that we have to follow those who are pointing us the right direction. And that is our prophet and the scriptures. So our prophet says, we have to have the gift of the Holy Ghost. We have to have it constantly with us. We have to seek it if we want to survive spiritually to get to the promised land, which is to dwell with our Heavenly Father forever. And so Alma, chapter 37, going from the middle of verse 39, I'm going to read quite a few here, but there's a lot to learn. He says, in reference to the Liahona, he says, And behold, it was prepared to show unto our fathers the course which they should travel in the wilderness. And it did work for them according to their faith in God. And remember, faith is a principle of action. And I'll be discussing that more in the next episode when we go into what it means to prosper stronger. But going back here, he says, Therefore, if they had faith to believe that God could cause those spindles should point the way they should go, behold, it was done. Therefore, they had this miracle and also many other miracles wrought by the power of God day by day. And this is throughout their journey. Going on. Nevertheless, because those miracles were worked by small means, it did show unto them marvelous works. Continuing on with verse 41. Nevertheless, because those miracles were worked by small means, it did show unto them marvelous works. But they were slothful and forgot to exercise their faith and diligence. And then those marvelous works ceased and they did not progress in their journey. So if they did not progress, as we know from the definitions of what it means to prosper, that means they did not prosper. They were slothful and they were stuck on their journey. Then he goes on with verse 42. Therefore, they tarried in the wilderness or did not travel a direct course and were afflicted with hunger and thirst because of their transgressions. So I want to speak to this just a little bit because sometimes we just think, well, it's not a big deal. I'm doing fine. It's all good. But here they said they tarried. They didn't have to tarry. It was their choice. It was because of what they did. They ended up in the wilderness longer than they needed to be. They tarried and they wandered. They didn't travel a direct course. They exerted more energy, took more time, used up more resources than they needed to because they weren't following the direct course. And then they were afflicted with hunger and thirst. They suffered more than was necessary. They suffered more than God desired for them because of their choices, because they didn't heed. They didn't act in faith. They didn't hold on to that faith and follow God, right? They were slothful. So all of these were consequences. And if we look at why we would want to prosper, why Heavenly Father is saying, please listen to me. Please keep my commandments. Please let me bless you. I've given you these covenants. Please keep them. Take them seriously. Why? Because he knows the consequences, both positive and negative. And without his presence, he knows that we are lost. He knows that we can be confused or stuck. He knows that we don't make any progress and we suffer unnecessary afflictions. He knows that we live in darkness and depression. We know that sorrow is a part of life, but it doesn't mean that we have to wallow in it and stay in this muck. We can reach up to him and he will help us through the sorrow and help us overcome the sorrow and help us find that peace and happiness. So Heavenly Father knows these consequences. He wants us to experience something different and Alma teaches us what that is. So if we continue on in verse 43, Alma goes on to say, 
And now, my son, I would that you should understand that these things are not without a shadow. And we know that from our study in English literature that this is like foreshadowing, right? Or teaching us. It's an example. So these things are not without a shadow. For as our fathers were slothful to give heed to this compass, now these things were temporal, they did not prosper. Even so, it is with things which are spiritual. So Alma is teaching us, the Lord is teaching us right here, that the temporal and the spiritual are tied together. It's the same principle. Heavenly Father wants us to prosper both temporally and spiritually, but we cannot if we do not follow him and keep his commandments. That if we become slothful or casual, that he can't bless us temporally or spiritually. And then, I love this, Alma finishes by saying, For behold, it is as easy to give heed to the word of Christ, which will point you to a straight course to eternal bliss. Eternal bliss. Hold on to that thought for a minute. As it was for our fathers to give heed to this compass, which would point unto them a straight course to the promised land. And now I say, is there not a type in this thing? For just as surely as this director did bring our fathers by following its course to the promised land. So there's the covenant promise to the promised land. Shall the words of Christ, if we follow their course, carry us beyond this veil of sorrow into a far better land of promise? And then Alma pleads, O my son, do not let us be slothful because of the easiness of the way. For so was it with our fathers, for so was it prepared for them, that if they would look, they might live. Even so it is with us. The way is prepared, and if we will look, we may live forever. And now, my son, see that ye take care of these sacred things. Yea, see that ye look to God and live. Now, I know I read a lot of passages there, a lot of scriptures, but isn't it a powerful message? Isn't this truly what Heavenly Father wants for us? To look to Him and live. Live temporally, but live eternally. Choose eternal life. To live and dwell with Him forever in His presence. That is what he's wanting for us. That is what he's commanding us to do. And what does that look like to live with him? It looks like eternal bliss in the words of Alma. It means happiness, joy, peace, comfort. It means having power. It means receiving all that God has in store for us. Everything he has promised to us will be ours in an experience, in a life and eternal bliss. I love it. I honestly can't say that I've used the word bliss very often in my life, but I love this idea that I could have it forever. And so can you. And I wrote a whole list here actually of what that would mean to me. I'm going to read some of these words because to me in his presence, when I have his spirit with me, he helps me get to this state of eternal bliss. He wants me to arrive there at that promised land of eternal bliss. And so what does he do? He helps me first here on earth. So to prosper is to me two different things. First, it is to have his presence with me while I'm here on earth. And then second is to dwell with him for eternity in his presence. So there's two aspects, I believe, to prospering. There's two time frames or locations or however you want to phrase it, dimensions here on earth. And then once we pass away and move on to our next estate to dwell with him forever in his presence. So as I look at what it means for me and what blessings it brings to me to have his spirit with me on earth, it means that he gives me direction, like President Nelson said. He gives me protection, safety, truth, comfort, peace. He helps me be efficient to know how to spend my time and energy. He helps me progress. He helps me connect to him and to others. He helps me have light and strength. He gives me the power to create. He gives me purpose. He helps me have my temporal needs fulfilled. He guides me on my journey and increases my understanding. He blesses me with hope and joy. He is everything. Having this power of, and gift of the Holy Ghost is everything for us on our journey here. I know that I could go on and on and on 
sharing experiences I've had with the Holy Ghost. He just recently empowered me, increased my understanding, and then, I'm not sure how to say it, it's hard to have the words, but it was at a fast and testimony meeting, and I, as I was sitting in my seat, I felt him prod me and push me with the Spirit to get up and testify. And as I stood and shared the words that he put into my thoughts and helped come out of my mouth, I felt his power flow through me in a way that I don't feel that often. It was amazing and incredible, and I was so grateful to be an instrument in his hands. Then back in April, actually on my birthday, we had an experience myself and two of my children where the Holy Ghost, again, guided and directed me and helped my children and I stay safe. He protected us from a tornado. And this was not, I'll, someday I'll share the whole experience, but this was not something that was made up. I saw the tornado with my own eyes. So did my children. We saw the spinning cloud. We saw what was happening. We heard the warnings and we were driving right into it. And we didn't know where we were. And he guided us and directed us and helped us know what to do as we prayed and exercised our faith. And a couple hours later, it was confirmed that that was a tornado and it did touch down and it touched down right where we were. I know, and not just from that experience, but from other experiences, I know the Holy Ghost was guiding me and guiding my children and we were protected because we sought and did the small and simple things to exercise and act in faith so that God could direct us and protect us through the Holy Ghost. I have felt comforted so many times because of the Holy Ghost. One of those times was over 30 years ago. It was an early spring morning. It was beautiful. I could hear the birds chirping. The flowers were budding out. It was that just wonderful, joyful, hopeful time of spring. And I had just gone up the stairs and Actually, before that, I had gone into my mom's bedroom and I had told her good morning and then gone up the stairs and my grandma was upstairs and my grandpa was upstairs and my grandma had made me breakfast. So I was sitting at the table eating my breakfast. I think it was a piece of toast and I can't remember what else. And while I was sitting there, I was looking at the back of my grandma. She was across the room looking out the window and she had commented on the birds and their chirping and how marvelous a beautiful spring morning. What a, what a marvelous morning it was as she was doing the dishes. And we were interrupted by my brother who from downstairs in a loud, not yelling, but a loud voice enough that he knew we could hear us. He said, I think mom just died. And everything froze. Time stood still. The dish that my grandma was holding in her hand, it just, she froze. I froze. My grandpa froze. All was quiet. And slowly, she turned to look at me and to look at my grandpa. And we all looked at each other. We knew it was coming. She was in a coma at that time. And in, in many ways, we were just waiting. And we made our way downstairs. And sure enough, there was my brother. And there was my mom. Her body, her physical body. And then a little while later, I found myself alone in the room. And looking over at her. At her body. And it looked different instantly. The color was gone. It was just a shell. And I sat down in the blue rocking chair and looked out the window. And as I sat, trying to understand, trying to take it in, as um, someone, I, I had just turned 16 years old. I was a sophomore in high school. And as I sat there pondering, a very sweet spirit came and encompassed me, and I felt great comfort. And I knew the Savior was there, in the room, 
with me. And I also knew my mother was there. And the Spirit spoke to me and said, She is not gone. She lives forever. She is with you, and I am with you. And we will be with you always. And then I felt the urgency and the pleading of my mother and the pleading of the Savior to live so that I could join them forever. And I felt the peace and the love and the comfort. I know that the Holy Ghost and the power of the Holy Ghost is from a loving Heavenly Father. They work in unison. They work together as the Godhead of Jesus Christ, Heavenly Father, and the Holy Ghost. I know they will share this power with you, this gift with you, in comforting and sustaining and strengthening. Because since that time, my life has been joyful and beautiful, and I have grown so much, and I am so grateful. But it's been hard, and there have been many times I have wept and been weary and felt lonely and forgotten. There are times I have forgotten to look forward with hope, and it is only in drawing near to the Savior and asking and pleading and putting forth the effort and studying His Word, going to the temple, keeping my covenants, and acting in faith that He can come to me, and He does every time. This is to me what it means to prosper, is to look forward with hope in Christ, is to invite and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, by what I do and how I open my heart to him and open my mind and allow him to teach and instruct me, to increase my understanding, allow him to comfort me, allow him to give me strength, allow him to show me the way. That is what it truly means to prosper, to progress toward the ultimate goal. President Nelson told the young adults in his talk, Choices for Eternity, and he has talked about it as well in all of his messages to us, but he was very specific to the young adults in saying that true prosperity is to reach what President Nelson calls the ultimate goal of living with Heavenly Father in His holy presence. That is what our prophet says is our ultimate goal. That's what it means to truly prosper. And it's not just President Nelson. We've been taught this throughout the scriptures. I love, love, love the vision of the tree of life that Lehi received and that Nephi received and all that they teach us about our journey and our path and the ultimate goal, as well as those things that can pull us off the path. They both teach us about this straight and narrow path to the tree of life. And they teach us that the tree of life represents the love of God and Jesus Christ and that it is the most desirable of all other fruits. Everything that is offered to us, everything that is available to us, that the tree of life, the fruit of the tree of life is the most desirable of all. Now, I got to travel to Thailand when I was a member of the bottom dance team, and there is a fruit they called or we called mangosteen. And I've never had a fruit like that before. It was so delicious. And it wasn't just me. It was a whole bunch, all of us, the members of the team, the hosts of the tour started bringing bags and bags and bags of mangosteen to us whenever we would travel, when we would go out to do activities or when we'd go to the show sites and things. I don't even know how many pounds of mangosteen we consumed. I, I think they told us, but they just laughed. They were like, wow, well, you guys are going crazy over these. We love them. I'm sure I probably ate five pounds myself in just like five days. We just could not get enough of the mangosteen. It was, in our minds, the most desirable. And we even tried to bring some home with us, but customs wouldn't allow us to bring it in. So we were hurrying and eating up all of the mangosteen. Someday, someday, I hope I get to go back to Thailand or South, anywhere else in Southeast Asia or wherever mangosteen grows because so delicious. And what was interesting to me is that the outside of the fruit was a dark red, kind of a dark reddish purple. But when you open it up, the inside, the fruit part that you actually eat is white. And it's quite the contrast. And it made me think of this fruit of the tree of life, this white, bright, glorious fruit 
that is most desirable above all else. And it's even more desirable than mangosteen. Nephi tells us that the tree, which his father had seen, and the beauty thereof was far beyond, yea, exceeding of all beauty. And the whiteness thereof did exceed the whiteness of the driven snow. And he already told us that the fruit, he goes on over here in verse 22 of chapter 11, 1 Nephi, that it was most desirable above all things, most joyous. Don't we want that? Isn't that what it means to truly prosper? To be the most joyous, most desirable, to have all of that? That's really what it means. And that is what Lehi, Nephi, President Nelson, all of our prophets, that is what Heavenly Father is trying to get us to understand. And then he's showing us the way we have in the vision that there was a path, a straight and narrow path, and there was a rod of iron. And the rod of iron represented the word of God, which is, of course, our scriptures. It is the words of the living prophets. It's what we hear in general conference. We have the word of God available to us. We need to hold to it. And those that would hold to the rod and follow the straight and narrow path did arrive at the tree. Others fell off. As soon as they let go of the rod or let it slip away, right? Let their fingers slide or some were clinging to it. And at first I meant, oh, the journey's just really hard and, and they're clinging. That's what I thought. They just, it was so hard. They had to cling, cling, cling. And, but as I read that more, I see that those that were clinging, they got to the tree, they partook of the fruit, but then they were ashamed. And so they fell away. And to me, what does that mean? It means they weren't really in it with their heart. That maybe physically they were doing all the work, you know, they were putting on the show, they were using all those muscles to cling, but their heart wasn't really there. And in order to cling to something, usually it means there's an oppositional force that is pulling you away from it. And so you're having to really hold on tight. And of course, there's opposition in all things. And of course, that's what Satan's trying to do. He was trying to pull us off the path all the time. And so thank goodness they were clinging. Good for them because they were still trying. And, and all of us, I think, sometimes are in that position where we, we are clinging. But if our heart is really, truly there, then we stay closer to the rod. We can hold on to it. And it isn't hard. It's natural. It doesn't have to be a crazy tight grip. Because we're close to the rod. We're not on the edge of the path. We're on the path that's right up there next to the rod. So we need to stay holding on to the rod, following the path. And we've heard President Nelson say the covenant path. I suspect that the covenant path and the straight and narrow path are pretty close to one and the same thing. And then we get to the tree and we partake of the fruit by making covenants, by inviting the gospel into our lives by inviting Jesus Christ into our lives. If he is the tree, then we must stay by him and continue to partake of the fruit and nourish our spirit, nourish ourselves with the light and the truth and the gospel and doctrine of Jesus Christ with his love. And those that stayed by the tree remained in that joyful, protected state of light, not darkness. But then there were those that heeded the mocking and the words of those in the great and spacious building that were that fell away, that slipped away into dark paths, that were deceived, or that simply chose to go that way to this building that has no foundation and that falls, and great is the fall of it. This is, again, going to what I went, was sharing at the beginning, that we are free to choose eternal life or captivity and death, liberty or captivity, bondage, joy, hope, light, power, happiness, eternal bliss, or darkness, misery, weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, the lack of prosperity. We choose if we want to prosper or if we don't. We choose if we want to have his spirit with us, if we want to be worthy and qualify for his presence if we want to live with him for eternity or if we want to follow the world if we want to follow what they're teaching us if we want to say oh i just really kind of like that i think i'm just going to slip off to the side of this path just a little bit if we choose we choose whether we heed the mocking 
whether we heed the fear, whether we heed what they're saying, or whether we start to doubt or question, or just think, oh, I don't know, that prophet, he just seems so old. I don't know if I can believe what he says. Or, oh, he's asking me to be something. It's just, it's hard. I don't like it. It's okay for me if I, if I just don't do that. It's all right if I just keep this commandment, but not the other commandment, right? It's not a buffet. We choose whether we stay by the tree. The safest place to be is by the tree. And President Nelson has told us the safest place to be is in living inside our covenants, inside our temple covenants, the covenants we made with our Heavenly Father. That is the safest place to be. So if we want eternal bliss, we want to stay on that path. We want to stay safe. We want to choose to stay by the tree. So if you need a slogan or a phrase or something to remember, the key is the tree. The key is to stay by the tree. Stay under the shade and by the trunk of the tree. And Nephi knows this. He knows how we do it. How do we stay by the tree? He says in his in 1 Nephi chapter 10, in verse 17, he says, And it came to pass, after I, Nephi, having heard all the words of my father concerning the things which he saw in a vision, and also the things which he spake by the power of the Holy Ghost, which power he received by faith on the Son of God, and the Son of God was the Messiah who should come, I, Nephi, was desirous. So first, we have to desire. We have to desire eternal bliss. It's not hard for me to work up that desire, honestly. But then we have to carry it through to the rest of our lives. And sometimes that is hard. The desire to get up early to study the scriptures, sometimes that can be hard. So back to Nephi, he says, I, Nephi, was desirous also that I might see and hear and know of these things by the power of the Holy Ghost, which is the gift of God unto all those who diligently seek him, as well in times of old, as in the time that he should manifest himself unto the children of men. For he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the way is prepared for all men and women from the foundation of the world, if it so be that they repent and come unto him. For he or she that diligently seeketh shall find, and the mysteries of God shall be unfolded unto them by the power of the Holy Ghost. So he wants us there. Heavenly Father wants us to be with him. He wants us to come to the tree. He wants us to stay there with him in his presence. And he's given us the Holy Ghost to help us be able to do that, to help us stay on the covenant path. And one of the ways that's so important that Heavenly Father teaches us, that Nephi teaches us, President Nelson has been teaching us, is that we must have the Holy Ghost so that we can discern what is true, so that he can witness to us what is true. And in our world today, that is so needed. It is it is essential, and I believe that's why we won't be able to survive spiritually if we don't have the Holy Ghost with us constantly is that there is so much deception, so many distractions, and so many ways that we can become depressed that if we don't know what is true, we can be and will be lost. One of my favorite scriptures ever since I was in high school is it found in 2 Nephi 32.3, and it reads, Angels speak by the power of the Holy Ghost, wherefore they speak the words of Christ. Wherefore I said unto you, Feast upon the words of Christ. For behold, the words of Christ will tell you all things what you should do. I loved this because I had a lot of questions. Remember, my mom had passed away or was sick. She was about to pass away. And I was facing, you know, the decade of decisions and everything else. And to know that I didn't have to wonder if I was doing the right thing. I didn't have to worry about making the wrong choice or, or just being so confused or deceived that there was comfort for me in knowing that the Holy Ghost would help me know all things and to help me with every single decision, be it small or large. And President Nelson promises that. He says in his talk from April 2018, Revelation for the Church, Revelation for Our Lives, he says, if we will truly receive, and, and receive is an action, right? If we will truly receive the Holy Ghost and learn to discern. So there's another one for you. Learn to discern and understand his promptings, we will be guided in matters large and small. He gives us in this talk so many promises, so many blessings, if we will seek to increase our capacity to receive personal revelation. He says, does God really want to speak to you? Yes. Yes, he does. He says, you don't have to wonder about what is true. 
you do not have to wonder whom you can safely trust. Through personal revelation, you can receive your own witness that the Book of Mormon is the Word of God, that Joseph Smith is a prophet, and that this is the Lord's church. Regardless of what others may say or do, no one can ever take away a witness born to your heart and mind about what is true. And then he says, I urge you to stretch beyond your current spiritual ability to receive personal revelation because the Lord has promised that if we do so, we will receive our answers. And later, he, he strengthens that urge. He says, I plead with you. This is our prophet speaking. And then he promises us. I promise that as you continue to be obedient, so there's that keep the commandment part, expressing gratitude for every blessing the Lord gives you, and as you patiently honor the Lord's timetable, you will be given the knowledge and understanding you seek. Every blessing the Lord has for you, even miracles, will follow. I don't know about you, but I would love to have more miracles in my life. I need miracles. And President Nelson is telling us how we can receive miracles. In a later talk, he tells us to study miracles, to seek them. He wants us to prosper. President Nelson knows what is available to us. And he is begging for us. He's pleading with us to do the work required to receive the blessings to receive the Holy Ghost and to have that constant protection and spiritual safety. He says, choose to do the spiritual work required to enjoy the gift of the Holy Ghost and hear the voice of the Spirit more frequently and more clearly. And he then says, I exhort you. So he has urged, pleaded, and exhorted us to lay hold upon every good gift, beginning with the gift of the Holy Ghost, which gift can and will change your life. The most important truth the Holy Ghost will ever witness to you is that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He lives, and He is our advocate with the Father. He he is our exemplar and our Redeemer. All of this is what it means to prosper. Heavenly Father desires you, His child, to prosper. He desires to bless you more abundantly than you can even imagine. I know that in my life, when I have followed what President Nelson has taught us, when I have followed and feasted on the scriptures, when I have done the work and done my best, I'm not perfect, but done my best to strive to keep my commandments, I have experienced the blessings that President Nelson promises us, that Nephi promises us. I witness to you that blessings are there and they are available to you any day, any time. He is ready and willing to share all he has with you. And as long as you do what Nephi tells us in 2 Nephi 31, he says, Wherefore ye must press forward with a steadfastness in Christ, having a perfect brightness of hope. Remember, to prosper is to look forward with hope, with hope in Christ and a love of God and of all men. Wherefore, if ye shall press forward, feasting upon the word of Christ, and endure to the end, behold, thus saith the Father, ye shall have eternal life. And that is the ultimate in prosperity. That is what it means. And that is why for this podcast, we will be striving to feast upon the words of Christ to feast upon the words of the living prophets and apostles, to work together, to stay on the covenant path, to support and lift and encourage one another. I came up with a list of words and what does it mean to prosper and all these different things. And there were so many, it's hard to whittle them down to just a few. But to me, I think we seek, we desire. Because we desire, we seek. And then we seek strength. We strengthen one another. We strengthen ourselves and we feel the strength of the Lord. We serve one another. We share the gospel. We share his light. We stand for truth. And in order to do that, we have to know what it is. And then we soar. We soar because he is blessing us. We put our lives into God's hands and he makes more of it than we ever possibly could. We put our trust in him and we become all that he intends us to be we prosper. We prosper with poise. And we'll talk about this more later. We prosper with poise. 
We prosper with purpose. We prosper with power because we hearken and heed God's word. We hearken and heed to the Spirit, the messages and the promptings of the Holy Ghost. We hearken and heed the words of Christ. We do not hearken to those in the great and spacious building. And we seek to increase our covenant connection. This to me is what it means to prosper, is to stay by the tree, to connect ourselves 100% to Jesus Christ, to look forward to him, with him, journey with him, with hope. As you can see, I'm pretty passionate about this. And it's because I know the difference between when I have the Spirit with me and when I don't. The Spirit has taught me. I've had so many experiences, and I've shared a few today. There are so many more. I know without a doubt that Jesus Christ lives, that He loves me, that He loves you. I know that Heavenly Father desperately wants you to return to be with Him forever, and they desire to bless you beyond measure now, here in this life, with their presence and with all they have in store for you, everything they want to give you. They want to give you abundant blessings here and now, and they want you to receive all they have to offer, all the Father has to offer for eternity in a state of eternal bliss, of happiness and joy, like we study and learn from Mosiah chapter 2, verse 41. So go there, read that. Know that I love you. Know that God loves you. Know that he wants you to prosper. And I believe that we can prosper stronger together. If you would like to increase your capacity to receive personal revelation, then I invite you to go to prosperstronger.com and download the free personal revelation guide and journal page that I have compiled, not again, because I'm the expert but I compiled it from the teachings of our prophet, from the words of God, from the scriptures. And I have multiple experiences when I put it into practice. When I follow, believe it or not, when I follow the pattern that they teach, it works. You too can receive personal revelation and increase your capacity. And so I invite you to go there and download this free resource to you. I have it in black and white version. I have it in color version. It doesn't cost you a penny. I hope you will take it and put it to use that you might prosper stronger. Thanks for being here with me. Have a marvelous day. Thank you for joining the Prosper Stronger podcast today. We hope that you have felt inspired and empowered. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and family. I also invite you to join me at prosperstronger.com where you will find free resources to help you grow and learn as well as join in our discussions where we go deeper into some of the things that we talk about here on our podcast. Remember that you are loved and cherished by Heavenly Father who wants you to prosper and thrive. Until next time, may you continue to cultivate covenant connections with God, with others, and with yourself, and find strength in the gospel of Jesus Christ. 